I am Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. This week on the podcast, Andy and I are talking about staff discounts when it comes to our pets. We're not talking about the money part of it because I know that all of you guys are doing what you're supposed to be doing and you are following the IRS regulations when it comes to providing employee discounts. So we are not going to talk about the money, but instead we're going to talk about it from a time perspective. How do we manage to provide care for our team members' pets, especially when most of us are booked out weeks to months in advance at this point? So if this sounds like something you would like to hear more about, come join us. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke, and Stephanie, come and get your love, Goss. (laughs) Come and get your love at work because you've been boarding it here all day, waiting for vaccines, and now we need you to take it home. (laughs) Oh, that's not work harassment in any way, shape, or form. No. Come and get your love because this isn't free. This isn't free boarding for employees. I don't like you can't can't leave your love here. Can't leave your love here. How's it going, Andy? It's good. It is good. Uh, We, as we record this, are in the last week of school, Mm -hmm. which is complete BS. (laughs) It is such a joke. (laughs) You know, like in all seriousness, they were like, uh, we need four more days to be legal. Uh, What what counts as a day if we serve lunch? It's a day. They're like, let's just serve lunch for a week. And they were like, okay. And like that, and they called it school week. And here we are. Oh, man. But um, your other half is done with her semester, right? She's she's a teacher and she's done she is. grading all the papers and with the grading hell. Yeah, yeah. So she's, it's just the girls uh, in school? It's just the girls in school. Yeah, Allison is done with all of her uh, stuff. And she's she's getting her research for the summer geared back up with some college students that will be doing that. So that's exciting. Nice. But yeah, the the girls are definitely in the place where you you remember those days at school, like half days at the all the grades oh, are in. BS. Yeah, the kids have the kids have even gotten their grades, and they're like they're like and you they're have no going? leverage. Yeah, you have no leverage over me. Oh yeah, no, my kids have oh. my kids have two more weeks, and they but they've hit the stage where they're like wrapping up all the projects and they're doing yeah. they're doing more fun stuff. So they they're still they're still into it, but they are definitely. Um, they're definitely ready for a little bit of a break. We're going to do summer school for the first time uh, ever in my children's lives. Um, one of my kids is actually skipping a grade. And so we're going to do some some summer school to kind of get her ready. And so that was met with uh, mixed emotions. But they sure. are working on their summer reading lists and their summer bucket lists for all the things that they want to do in the like 15 days of summer that they're actually going to be home because yeah. I ship them off to my parents. <laughs> they may go visit my in-laws for the summer. And so they are, they are amped up for summer, summertime in a big way. Yeah. I think my kids think that they're just going to be able to like watch TV all summer. And I'm like, Oh buddy, you have a, you have a rude awakening coming. <laughs> like, you, you are going to have your expectations dashed. You're like, wait until dad gets hold of you. Oh, uh, yeah. And it's like, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, well, Um. so speaking of summer, we have uh, got a topic today that I see become an issue uh, more and more in the summertime in clinics um, because summertime, we get a lot of naughty pets. 
And Mm -hmm. we often see our team members' pets during the summer who have decided to be naughty on top of all of the patients that we normally see. And so it was interesting. There was a conversation happening recently in one of the groups that I'm a part of. And um, it was about how do we, how do we handle team members' pets? Um, Because almost all of us provide pet benefits as a fringe benefit for our team members. And um, one of the questions being asked in the course of the conversation was, how do we schedule this? Like, especially right now when we're completely booked, most of us are booked two to six weeks out or more for regular appointments. So our schedules are strained to the max. And yet we have this benefit that we give to our team members for getting pet care for their kids, for their own pets. But how do we schedule that? And where do we put them? Do we see them over breaks or after hours, which was the answer from a lot of people? Do we schedule them like regular clients? Um, if we're scheduling them like regular clients and we're taking up appointment slots, do they get a full discount? How does that, how does that go? So the questions that um, I was really interested in us digging into is how do we schedule them? Do we schedule them like a regular appointment? And if we do, do we give them discounts for it? Are we treating wellness visits differently than we are sick and emergency kind of appointments? And um, the conversation wasn't about the money. It wasn't about the discount and what do we give them a discount on? It was really about logistically, like, how do we, how do we tackle this as an, as an industry? Yeah, no, this, um, I think this is really interesting. Uh, It's easy to, it's easy to say we should schedule an appointment and treat them just like clients. But then when your appointment schedule is full because it's Sunday and you're slammed and you're like, yeah. hey, we're, we got people trying to get in and this is a discounted service and it doesn't feel like a regular appointment. You know, that that's weird. Um, and that's something that everyone kind of kind of notices. At the same time, we see a lot of people who are just like, we'll just do it over lunch. And then it does like I've, I've definitely seen us get to the end of the day. And the person's yeah. like, I brought my pet in and they stayed in a kennel all day long. And then the doctor said that he had to go uh, to do a thing after work. And then now I'm supposed to come back tomorrow. And that makes you feel real unappreciated. Absolutely. Uh, You know, and and it and it and it just sort of torpedoes your uh, your excitement for being a part of this this sort of team, I think, in some ways. So, yeah, I I think that there's a lot of landmines that people step on outside of the uh, of the financial part. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's I think it's a conversation that. Um, is a is a really good one to have just from a foundational fundamental level like what are we doing with pet benefits as an employee right perk like what what is the purpose of it because I I love what you just said and the example that you gave because I have definitely watched that happen you know and it always seems to happen for the team member whose pet has cage anxiety right so they yeah. drug them in they've been in a kennel all day long they've been drugged they're anxious they're stressed out and then it's 615 and the doctor still has to see them. But, oh, you go to find the doctor and they've already had to pop out because they've had, you know, stuff going on after work or they're like, I, I can't. I got I got to go. And that feels really, really crummy, which to me defeats the whole purpose of this being a benefit. And so this is for me, the the fundamental part of the conversation is. What are we trying to do with this as a benefit? What is the actual benefit? Is it just that we're giving them a discount? 
Is it that we're giving them access to care that they wouldn't have otherwise? Is it that they're experiencing our services? And I think to really figure out, for me as a manager, having a pet benefit program that the team actually really felt was a benefit didn't really start until we started having some of those fundamental foundational conversations as a as a leadership team. I think that that's I think that's true. I, I think it's it's really important. There is I think I think if you think that the only benefit to this is the money benefit, uh, I think you're missing some tricks. Yeah. And um and I think we oh, need yeah. we need to talk about that. And, and honestly, I would say if you think the only benefit to this is the money benefit, you're probably doing some damage to your team and your practice. And, and I'm happy to sort of lay that out and talk about why. When we start to talk about headspace, I think it's important to remember that talk is cheap and everybody knows talk is cheap. Yep. And culture comes from the top. And you can give all the pep talks you want and you can write your mission statement on the wall and you can tell your employees how important they are. Mm -hmm. But if when push comes to shove, you treat them like crap or you ignore them or you blow them off, all of your hand waving is for naught, you know, like that's just, that's just it is they see what you do. It's kind of like, um, not to compare the two, but, but the relationship we have as a leader with our staff is a lot like the relationship we have with our kids as their parents where, you know, you can tell them whatever you want, but they're watching you. And, And that is what, and they, they see, they see you. And so, you know, Telling them, um, you know, the importance of tolerance and then treating people horribly, like they see that and you better believe that they grab on to to what you do. And I don't mean that as an example of of the whole, you know, seeing pets thing, but just uh, just to say, you know, they watch and and they your culture really does come from what you do. And so telling them they're important and then kind of blowing them off when they want their own pets looked at uh, that. That matters. The other thing too is like, it's our time. It's time for us to live our values uh, with them. Which means if we tell pet owners that wellness care is important and uh, a good thorough physical examination is important, but when Crystal brings her pet in, Crystal, my technician, brings her pet in, I do a half-ass exam. Or yep. don't even really r- run my hands down the dog's flanks and then give them vaccines and send them away. Yep. What message does that send to Crystal about what's true in my belief of importance? It's either she can take it either either two ways, right? She could either be like, well, he doesn't really think the exams are that important. And that's why he acted this mm-hmm. way. Or he doesn't really think my pet is important. And so if he thinks exams are important, he just totally gave me a crap exam because he didn't think it was important to do it for me. Yeah. Well, and think about, I mean, I think about how many team members charts as a a CSR and having sat at the front desk when you get new team members and they bring their pets records from from other hospitals and you look at them. I, I think about how many team members pets charts, including my own pets, where I look at it and there's huge important things missing out of their charts because they got dealt with. A doctor saw them. They got Mm. the care that they needed. Nothing was documented. Nothing was written down. It was like, well, it's it's your pet, so I'm not worried about it. I'll get to it when I can. And then (laughs) the days of the chart sitting on somebody's desk turn into weeks. And then before you know it, you've got whole exams missing out of pet's charts, you know? And Mm. it's really, really unfortunate, I 
I think, because I, I agree with you. I think as a whole, as an industry, we tend to look at it um, from a financial perspective. Like this is, this is a financial benefit that we're offering to our team members. And I feel like looking at it from that perspective really does a huge disservice in so many ways to our team, to, to their pets, and also to, um, the benefits of the team accessing great quality care for their own pets, because that is one of the most undervalued tools that we have in our marketing toolbox and in our client communication toolbox. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. It's uh, definitely sends, sends a message. And I think it's something that, you know, not, I don't, I've never seen a vet do it intentionally. I've, you know, no. anytime no. somebody's pet needs care, someone has always made it happen. But I think that there are a lot of untold lessons in how it happens on repeat. Like if it's a one-off and it's a super busy day and we have to squeeze somebody's pet in and things get done, it's still really easy to feel grateful. But I think your point about the wellness care is a really, really important one because I think that's where we fail our teams often the most is wellness care because it's something that we should be able to plan for, but the majority of us don't. And so the way that we treat our team members' pets in regards to wellness care is often very much as an afterthought. It's It gets squeezed in over lunch or at the end of a busy day. And like you said, I have seen far more cursory exams from vets who I know are very thorough, competent veterinarians. Um, because it's a team member's pet. And that to me sucks. And that's why I was super excited that we were going to talk about this. Uh, so let's begin at the very beginning with the headspace, right? It's um, you got to start by saying, why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. And I don't think many practices have that thought or that discussion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're just like, oh, we do it because it's a cheap thing that we can do that gives a lot of value to the staff, yep. right? So like it costs us very little and the, and the staff would have to pay top dollar if they weren't working for us. So it's a nice benefit, costs us very little and means something to them, especially if they're able to use do it, do it with multiple pets. You know, then you go, oh, wow, they got $1,500 worth of vet services this year and they got it at a fraction of the price or they got a big discount on it. And that really adds up. I think that that's pretty weak as far as the reasons that we do this. I, 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 yeah, I think this is, this is pretty weak as far as the reasons that we do it. I, I, I think there's more value than that, but the team has to really look at it and, and see it's there. So the big things that, that I, I want to do, there's, there's four things that I think that most of us want to accomplish with these programs, right? So the first one is to give them a, a financial benefit. It's mm -hmm. to help, you know, it's, it's to help financially help our staff Sure. Uh, and give them a nice little perk. So that's, that's not nothing. Let's not discount it. But I, I think that's number one. Number two, through our actions taking care of their pets, I think we need to show our staff that they're important, yes. right? Like you are important and your pets matter to us, mm -hmm. right? Like we're not just serving clients and leaving the scraps for you. You, yep. you matter to us. And us taking care of your pets is a way for us to show you that you matter. The third one is, I want to show you that what we do is important. Yeah. When I, we, we preach that wellness care really matters. And I want you to believe that wellness care really matters. And I want you to believe it really matters for your pet. And yep. the reason 
I want that is because we ask our techs, our support staff, our CSRs to talk to the clients all day, every day and advocate for wellness care. Yep. And then when they bring their pet in, we go, oh, yeah, we'll just we'll do it quick. Just pop those vaccines in and let's go, you know, and, and you go, oh, I, I want I want this. I want this, uh, this support staff member to tell the pet owner, look them in the eye and say, this is what I do for my dog. This is, you know, this is what we recommend and, and what I do myself. Yeah. And what I'm trying to do is create a, um, a situation where my support staff can speak honestly to the pet owners and say, this is what matters and this is what import- is important. And yes, this is what I do. Um, and I just think, I think that that, I think that means something. I think yep. it means something for um, for the quality of our care that we put out into the world. But but it means something in an ethical way for our staff. Like there's a difference in feeling like you're upselling people versus you're telling them what you honest to God believe and what you do for yourself and your family. And like that, the delta between those two areas, that, that matters. It matters a lot. So I, I want to take that delta away and, and and make this. I want to put my people on a firm ground so that they can make recommendations with their feet planted and their head held high. And in order for that to happen, I need to take care of these people and make them believe that what we do is important. And that is why we do it with them and for them. And it's mm-hmm. also why we advocate for it uh, to our clients. Absolutely. So uh, that's those, those are the big things, right? I, I want you. I want them to know. I want them to get the, the cash benefit. I want them to know that they're important. I want them to know that what we do is important. And, and I want to empower that recommendation. Yeah. Yeah. I I would agree with that. And I think that um I think that the first two speak so much to our internal culture and really mm-hmm. um are we walking our talk? Are we living our values? And the last one to me really speaks to our external culture, because um, when you were just talking about the divide between the level of care that they're talking about with clients and what they're doing for their own pets, I remember very, very early on in my career going to a CE on um, dentistry, and it was the age-old question of like, um, you know, what do what do we? What's the first thing that we talk to new pet owners about when it comes to dentistry and their pets and and somebody raised their hand and they said, you know, brushing their teeth. And the dental technician said, okay, how many of you guys in this room brush your brush your pet's teeth? Like nobody raised their <laughs> hand, right? Um, and it's that same, it's that same, and there was, there was the, the uncomfortable laughter and that like shame settling in over all of us of like, this is us not walking our talk, right? Yeah. And it's that same, it's that same thing when I started diving into it with my team I had at my very first practice, I had practice owners that were amazingly um, supportive and, and aware of, of things. And we started looking at our, our dentistries and we realized that we were recommending dentistry. Most pets, right, need a dental sometime in probably a three-year span. Not everybody needs it every year, but most pets need it within a three-year period. And then we looked at the team pets charts and I was amazed <laughs> at how many team members pets had never had a dental and yeah. certainly had not had one within three years or they maybe did one pet's teeth because they needed an extraction because they broke a tooth but nobody else at, at home had 
had had a dental, right? And so we started looking at that and I was curious. I was like, well, why are we not doing this? And um, we were talking about it in a team meeting and it was really awkward silence. And then finally, one of my team members raised their hand and she was just like, I can't afford it. And she was just like, I, I, oh, man. I, she's like, I, you know, I have to be really honest. And she's like, I don't want to hurt you guys. As she looked at our practice owner, she's like, I don't want to hurt you guys' feelings. She's like, I, you know, at the, t- the time, you know, our assistants made minimum wage and minimum wage was like $9 an hour. And she's like, yeah. I make, you know, $9 an hour. I can't afford a $300 dental for my pet. She's like, there's no, there's no, I have three, three animals. Like there's no way. And, um, it was, it was an awkward conversation and it could have gone, it could have gone a couple of ways. The practice owners could have been insulted or frustrated or felt like they were being attacked for not paying their team members enough. And that wasn't what she was saying. She was just like, I, I would like this, but I'm just being honest with you. Like at the yeah. end of the day, I have to prioritize how I pay my bills. And for our team, luckily it, it um, created this bigger opportunity for us to have a conversation about would we accept care if it was more readily available to us. And also it wasn't, she wasn't putting it out there. Like I expect to freeload. I want you guys to pay for my pet's care. She was like, this is something I want to do. I just have to figure out how to make it more affordable. And so it led to this whole conversation as a team about overall pet care. And that really started me down this road of looking at what are we trying to do with this? If, if it really truly is a, a benefit for our team members, why is it a benefit? And what are their, what are their needs for their pets? Is it a financial barrier? Is it um, a time barrier? And in this case, I think a lot of us are battling with very much a time barrier right now because we are slammed. We are overbooked. We are booking wellness out. Some of us are booking wellness out six months or more. And to think about, let's be real, our team members often have a lot of pets. (laughs) And if you take your average 20 person hospital and you think that most of us have between one and three pets, that's like potentially 60 pets that yeah. need care that we have to think about how the hell do we add all these to the schedule on top of the fact that we're already booked out till August for wellness. And so I understand why more of us don't look at it, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Let's uh, let's pause here for a second and take a break and then we'll come back and we'll get into what do we actually do about this. Okay. Guys, I just want to jump in with a quick update on some super exciting stuff, guys. Two big things going on right now. Number one, my Charming the Angry Clients course, which is an on-demand course to train your team in your practice using your systems the way that you want to do it um, so that they can handle angry and complaining customers with style and grace. It is still on sale, but that is ending soon. It is $100 off as I launched this course the 4th of July. Uh, that sale is going away. Two bad things about the 4th of July, fireworks, and my course is not going to be on sale anymore. So if you have not gotten it yet, now is the time. You are quickly running out of daylight. Uh, grab it. Grab that course. It is super useful. It is really selling really, really well. I, I think people are going to really, really love it. That is the first thing. The second thing is just launched 
from the Dr. Andy Rourke team is our card game. We have a card game. It's called What's on My Scrubs. It is a team building card game. It is fast and it is funny. It is something that you, your team can do together. It can be as short as 10 minutes of just getting together and playing. But this is about getting your people to talk and laugh and engage and know each other and have some fun real fast and also educational. And it's also vet stuff that makes them enjoy our profession and what we do. And so it's called What's on My Scrubs. You can find both the Angry Client course and What's on My Scrubs at drandywork.com. I'll put a link down in the show notes. I think you're going to love them. Let's get back to this episode. All right, we are back. Stephanie Goss, let's talk about talk about the ways that we've seen this done and and what do we what do we do as far as taking care of staff pets cuz cuz you're right. I, this is not a it's not a simple problem. I I don't think. I, there's not an easy like this is the norm and this is what you do. Especially, you know, you get into the weeds a little bit here and you say, well, I've got, man, I've got some techs and they've got nine pets, yep. uh, you know, and, yep. and most of them are terribly broken. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, like, who? goodness or, gracious. Or we, let's be real. We have a tendency to collect naughty pets as well. And I was one of those Oscar <laughs> was the spawn of Satan cat for years. And my team saw his name on the schedule and we're just like, oh God. And it was before we started offering pre-appointment meds for our patients, but yeah. it was awful because he would draw blood every time I had to bring him in and we had to knock him out to do anything to him. And let's be real, like that we have a lot of team members who have naughty pets like that or yeah. who are very anxious or fearful or have the, as a, as an industry, we collect the ones that have problems. We have to be real about that. And so the needs of those patients when we look at it from a client perspective, it would require a, some special care and some handholding and some time management skills. And I think that's why a lot of us ignore it because it's not an easy, simple, wham, bam, done wellness appointment for a lot of our team members' pets. I, com- I completely agree. So when we talk about getting this done, I, I, let's, start, let's start out wide and be like, okay, okay first thing to do is why are we doing this? You yep. know, and, and what do we what do we want to get from it? Um, I think the showing them the importance of what we do, I think, is important. I, I think there's a lot of different ways we can do this. There are things we can do to add in training for them uh, that I think is really good. When you mentioned uh, earlier, you said seeing it through the eyes of the client or better under the understanding the client experience. I think that's fine. But if that's your goal, then you should really do it. Um mm-hmm. You know, saying, I want you to understand the client experience and then stick your cat in the in the den in the back and we'll oh, get yeah. to her when we have it. Like, that's not that's not no. the client experience. Yeah. Uh, and, and let's be let's be honest about about why this gets dicey too. Uh, one of it is, is how big is your practice? Like, are we talking about you got 10 people and we're going to take care of the pet? Or are you talking about 65 people and there's going to be someone every every day? Uh, yep. that's got a pet, a pet in. And this is just going to be a constant thing that we're doing. And every day there's going to be people who are getting tagged onto the schedule to try to, you know, to try to squeeze in. That's That stuff matters. And it's, it's fine to get more regimented as you grow. I think usually that's what happens is at the very beginning, you say, all right, we're going to be a little bit more flexible with this. But then as the practice grows, we have to get more serious and intentional or else you come to the place where people are just, you know, freestyling. Uh, yeah. stick it in the cage. We'll get to it when we can. And we never get to it because our practice is bursting at the seams. Mm-hmm. And so what, you know, what are we, what are we really looking at? If we want to help 
people see our practice through the eyes of the client, then book them as appointments, you know, book them as appointments and have them come in and have them wait, have them wait in the lobby and see what that feels like. Um, and I've, I've definitely had clinics do that. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, we, when you come in with your pet, you are a client and we expect you to stay up front and do the client thing. Yep. And a lot of that is just so you can really see what it means to be one of our clients. And boy, people look at the practice differently when they're the client. And Absolutely. Um, it's interesting when, when you're the one who has to wait for 27 minutes, it feels real different than when you're the one who's busting your hump. And 27 minutes flies by and you're going as fast as you can. And it's just it's just getting an honest look at the practice. And I'm not saying you sh- should do that. I'm saying I know practices that have done that and they would say there's benefits to them uh, to doing it that way. The other thing is these are practices that tend to be really busy and they're like, we can't squeeze this volume of pets, squeeze in quotes, right. this volume of pets. And like we, we're going to put them on the schedule and we're going to really do them, but we're going to really do them. And then that way... The person still, you know, they hear the recommendations and you know, it's kind of a funny thing where people are like, oh my God, I know you do this talk 12 times a day, but it's, but it's saying, what do you want to do? What are you doing for heartworm, flea and tick? What are you doing, you know, for uh, dental profies? Uh, you know, what are you doing for food? Just running through these things and, and letting them be the client. So I'm not, again, I'm not advocating for that. It, it can feel very over the top. But there are practices that believe in it. And I don't think that they're wrong if that's what you're going for. Absolutely. And I think that there's there's benefit to um to your point. I think one of the things that we can have a tendency to do when offering pet care for our team members, patients or pets is um to assume that they know more than they know. Like mm-hmm. how many times have I watched a, a vet um treat a team member's pet and be like, oh, it's going to need, you know, bandaging or it's going to need wound care and you've got this, right? And then they're on to the next thing and and we make assumptions about people's level of knowledge. And I think that there's real power in creating and facilitating, um, even if you do it just once in a while, the ability for some members of your team to truly experience life as a client, to hear the talks, to go through the spiels, to cover all of the bases from start to finish so that you do get that feedback because it provides an invaluable opportunity to have team members who are invested. They're in it every day. No one is going to be more apt to give you candid feedback than setting up a process where your team goes through it and they do have to sit out in the lobby and wait and experience that to experience the exam room for themselves to hear the talks and the spiels and the, I will tell you, some of our talks that we um, and some of our scripts that I have used over the years have gotten immensely stronger and better for having had team members pick it apart, having mm-hmm. experienced it with their own pets, because they're like, well, what do I do about this? Or what do I do about that? They have just enough knowledge to really poke at the edges and help us flesh out where we are weak. And so it can be an incredibly powerful uh, learning opportunity for the team. Yeah, I would take it even a step further. One of my favorite things to do with this is to have the uh, the kennel assistant or the CSR or the technician, um, and they come in and have them do the examination themselves. And, I, and so I will say to them, "Hey, I want you. You've seen me do this a million times. I want I want you to do it, and I want you to tell. I want you to tell me what I'm going to tell you after I'm finished." Mm-hmm. And 
Give it, and the techs, if you do it right, the techs often really love it. They're like, you're going to, what do you mean? And I'll be like, do everything. Do feel the joints, feel the fur, feel the skin, look at her teeth. And I want you to tell me, give me a full physical, yeah, what you see. And then I'm going to do it. Like, I'm not going to be like, yep, you're done. I'm going to go and I'm going to do, I'm going to palpate lymph nodes and palpate abdomen and do all of that sort of stuff. But I love that. They they're really engaged and it makes them feel important and it makes them feel smart. And um, it just benefits me to have a tech that can, you know, palpate a stifle and be like, oh, man, there's a crepitus in here. Like that, mm-hmm. that's good. Or a tech that goes, wow, the range of motion in these hips isn't what it used to be. Or, oh, man, he, she seems like she's got a, a, a tense abdomen compared to what I would expect. Great. Like these are only good things. And so it, it draws them in. It gives them 100% of my attention. And it's a, it's a less awkward way for me to do this because it is kind of weird when my tech brings me her pet. And I'm like, okay, you, I know you know all of this and blah, blah, blah. This gives me a reason to run through everything mm-hmm. with her and not feel like I'm being patronizing or right. worry that she's like, don't you think I know this? And I'm like, oh, no, we're doing an exercise <laughs> together. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's not, I'm telling you this because I want you to know it. I'm telling you this because we're doing a training exercise together and we're going to run yeah. through everything. And so part of it is I'm training your physical exam skills on your own pet while I get this done. And that that's just one that, that's a, it's, it's a little thing that has helped me to not feel wildly awkward doing a physical exam on my, you know, on my techs. Pet, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in front of her and and trying to put on this big show that she's like, I've seen this a million times. Um, it, it's another way to still to still clearly bring across the idea what we do is important and you are important and I am giving you my time and my attention because you matter. Um, I love that. Yeah, that that that's been helpful for me just to try to really hammer this home and say, uh, it's just, it's a fairly simple thing. It hits on some of my my personal values about ongoing education and and things like that. Um, yeah. But but it, it for me, it accomplishes the things that I want to accomplish with doing services for the staff. Well, and I so I think to your point, I think it becomes there's you're creating value. It um, engages you with the team. So you're meeting, especially the team members who quality time and the one on one time with the doctor is there is their love language or, you know, that's yeah. their jam. That I mean, you're you're filling that cup right there, and you're also taking the opportunity to create training moments, um, which is hugely invaluable. And so, you know, when when I started looking at some of the questions that were being asked through the the course of this conversation, I think the answer is there's there's no right answer, and there's there's not very many wrong answers. Just looking at it from the financial benefit is to me feels like the wrong answer. But right. Um, other than that, you do you, man. And where I would start with this with the team is probably to start with why. Why are we like with the leadership team is ask the question, why are we offering pet benefits? What do we want to get out of this? And really pick it apart and dive into some of what you and I have just been talking about, because every individual practice, every individual team is going to have different needs and different motivations. Is it, are we doing it because we want them to feel like their client. If so, how you offer that service to them is probably going to feel vastly different than if your answer is, well, we offer it because it's a training opportunity. If mm-hmm. you're really truly looking at it as training opportunity, 
you're probably going to get way more granular and in-depth than you would if they were sitting on the other side of the exam table experiencing it through a client's eyes, right? Like there's there's going to be overlap, but there are going to be fundamental differences about how you approach it. And so I think um, the best way to tackle this, if you are a practice who's like, how do we do this? What are we, what are we going to, um, you know, what are we going to do about this? How do we make it better? Is to ask yourself, why are we doing it? And really just brainstorm lists. You and I are huge fans of the giant wall post-it notes. Mm-hmm. Grab one of those suckers, man, and put it on the wall during your next team meeting and brainstorm with the team. What do they want out of it? What are their expectations? Because I found that opening the door to having a team conversation about what do they want, but also what are they expecting really helped narrow down some of the divide between do they actually view this as a benefit or is this one of those things that they have as an expectation of their employment and it's just kind of swept under the rug because they don't view it as a benefit? Because to me, that is the most disappointing thing that we could do is to create a program where they don't feel value in it mm-hmm. and they just sweep it under the rug because they feel like their their pets are an afterthought, which is, I yeah. think, I think where a lot of us hit at some point in time, I've never worked in a practice where we haven't had some of those moments, man, where we look at a team member's pets and we're like, we could have done that better. Yeah. And, and in the moment we did what we could and, and everybody was okay with it. But afterwards I can tell you, I've gone home and I felt guilty about that. Like we, we should have done better with that. Yeah. You know, there are some really important conversations that are very hard to have if you come straight at them. It is really hard to get your leadership team together and say, guys, what is important to us about our employees? That's a, that's right. a weird, that's a weird <laughs> question. Yeah. And, 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 and it requires some context to really make a productive discussion of it. So this is one of those conversations that can get you to really good and interesting places. If you talk with the leadership team and you say, I want to revisit us taking care of employee pets. Why do we do this? And let's just you take our flip chart. And I, you know, I love a flip chart. Take our flip chart and let's just start writing this down. And so you guys tell me, why, why are we doing this? Yeah. And somebody will say, well, it's an easy cash incentive that we can right. give and we pay less than what we give to them. Like, okay, great. Is that it? Is that the only reason we do this? And that unlocks a neat conversation about yeah. what, what do we think about our people and what are, do we see as our responsibility and what are our aspirations as an employer? And like, it's hard to get to that place coming straight at it, but this is a neat conversation that can get you into those waters. And it's just, it's just really, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a really beneficial sort of value-driven, philosophy-driven conversation that get, has enough structure that you're not just, you know, waxing philosophic. You're, you're <laughs> actually talking about something that's important. So yeah, I, 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 I like that a lot. The, um, the big things that sort of that I would start to put forward is, you know, every, every practice is different. You, you need to be intentional in how you do this. This yes. I, That's the most important thing to me is not how you do it. Because yep. I'm not I'm not like, oh, you can't do it over the lunch break or you can't do it as a walk-in. Uh, right. You, you can, but you, if the default is, we'll do it when we have time, that usually ends in hurt feelings or just quiet disappointment. Yep. Uh, there needs to be an intentional way to do it and make sure it gets done if somebody brings their pet in. And then you need to think of like, are we okay with this person bringing their pet in at 8 a.m. and it's staying here until 6 p.m. 
because we haven't had time to get to it yet. Is everybody going to be okay with that? We just need to have those conversations. I Options that I have seen are, I have seen people, you get approval the night before and you get the pre-day slot. So if we start seeing appointments at 8.30, yeah. we're going to see you at 8 and you know the doctor's going to come and be there and we're going to get your pet and maybe somebody else's pet taken care of. And, uh, you know, and while the first appointment is getting set up, I'm going to finish up, but I will be there. I will see you in the morning. We will do these. They will be done. And then we go on on our day. And, and for me, that's a, that's a big, that's a big part of this. Another, another part of the intentional question is who's going to do them. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think, I don't think that vets are, I'm not saying that vets are greedy. I definitely not saying that, or even that they're really money driven, but it is kind of this weird thing when, you know, the, the support staff, first of all, it puts them in a weird place because they're going to the vet and saying, hey, there's this really discounted service and I want you to take it really seriously. And would you do this thing for me? The smart vets would say, yes, 100%. Like I would do this because I value you and I trust you, you know, and I want you right. to trust me. And and I'll just tell you, I believe that that kind of work, it comes back to you. And yeah. also, I, I I also take it as a great compliment as like when the when the techs come and say, hey, we would like you to do this for us. Um, you should be proud of that. That's yep. that's that means something. Don't blow that off. It's still a weird it's still a weird position for them, I guess, to come in and ask you. And it's still a weird position for the doctors to be like, I'm being asked to do this thing. I'm not compensated for it, but I'm supposed to squeeze it into my day. And you know what I mean? And blah, blah, blah. Again, it's it's it can be well navigated, but that's why I think it needs to be intentional and just to sort of say, if the expectations of the doctors are going to do this, we need to tell them the expectations we're going to do it and, and tell them why and tell them what we want to accomplish. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And so I guess that's my thing. I, I think you, you absolutely have to, there has to be buy-in from the associates in any practice that is not single doctors who is the owner. You have to have buy-in because if you are paying your associates production and you're giving the team discounted services, uh, you're losing money. And mm-hmm. so there has to be a setup where you either um, you either have it set up so that you're charging appropriately for it so that you can pay production to your associates on it, which is one way I've seen some practices do it. There are lots of practices who in particular employ um, pet insurance as a benefit instead so that they can charge normal client prices and then the doctors can be paid compensation because they're collecting the revenue on it and then the team gets the insurance as their benefit. Dis- basically, their their discount is that the clinic's paying for their insurance. Or you have associate vets who are working on production who you are asking to work for free um, because you're not going to pay them production because you're heavily discounting the services. And if that is the case, there absolutely has to be buy-in from the doctor team about why are they offering pet care and how are you going to fit that into their schedule so that they don't feel like they are getting the short end of the stick either. Um, And so that it has to be a conversation and they have to really believe what you said, Andy, which is there's a there's a purpose for this. There is val- yeah. there is heavy heavy value in having team members who have seen how you work as a DVM who allow you to treat their own pets. One of the most powerful tools 
that I can use as a technician in the exam room is to look at a client straight in the face and say, Dr. Megan treats my own pets. I absolutely trust her with their oh, lives. So good. Like yes, that's that so is, good. you can't say that if you don't let your, <laughs> if you don't really don't believe it. It does, it comes across as false, but believe me, there's so much power in having members of the team experience that with their own pets and then be able to make that connection with you as a doctor in the exam room with clients. Well, it's just what we're building to, right? In, in everything we talk about in team culture and we talk about, honestly, when we talk about sales, we talk about especially uh, getting clients to buy in and be compliant in the post-truth world that we oh, yeah. live in where everything is BS and there's charlatans mm -hmm. selling snake oil around every corner and we can't agree on whether or not we wear masks uh, or get vaccines. Right. Right. Um, right. Like, how do you survive in this world as doing what we do for a living? The answer is you, you circle the wagons and yep. you take care of your people and you all support each other and you have a narrative that you all support and you all agree and you do it with your own pets and you say, this is what we do and this is my vet and she takes care of my pets and this is what yep. I do and this is, you know, blah, blah, blah. And ultimately you create a narrative that you believe and the people who believe your narrative will gravitate to you and the people who don't want that narrative will go somewhere else and that's fine. But um, but having that type of internal support and interconnectivity inside your practice, it's just, it's just vital. I mean, I'll give you an example sort of tied to that is uh, when I had a senior pet, uh, I remember distinctly talking to people who had anesthesia concerns and saying, my dog is 16 years old and he gets his teeth cleaned every year. And it was a hundred percent true. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's super powerful. And it's, you know, and, and only say it if it's true, but, but that stuff, that stuff matters. And so we, we can create that. And that's, that's important to me. I, I am a, I'm a big fan of the idea of pet insurance as a perk. I think that those numbers can absolutely work where, yep. We pay for pet insurance and then we do the work and we bill the work and, you know, and then they get reimbursed from the insurance company or we, we set it up that way. Um, there's a lot of good that comes from that. Mm -hmm. It also sets my people up, my, my, my staff to talk about pet insurance and say, yep. this is the one that I have, you know, or yep. I have this on my pets. And so again, again, it comes down to intentionality of how are we going to do this? How are the techs going to request the service? Are they going to ask the doctor directly? Um, is that expectation set? I, again, I, I think you can be fine uh, asking the doctors to do just do this for the staff, but you better set that expectation up front. It, I mean, it should be part of when they get hired. You should say, this is how we pay our doctors. Uh, know that you get a small percentage or you get a small amount when you take care of the staff and this is why is because we really want to make care affordable for them and this mm -hmm. is just what's being asked and this is how we do those appointments and when we do those appointments and just know that that is part of it but the benefit that you're going to get is the gratitude of the of the staff for you taking right. care of their pets and the trust and their ability to say to the pets to the pay owners that you are their doctor a, you know, and and things like that. So there are benefits that come back. But, but for the most part, you're helping us take care of the staff. And we want to be a, a, a closely, you know, related interwoven community here. Like we want, we're an interdependent group and we like it that way. And that means everybody chips in and takes care of everybody else. I, I agree. I, um, I think it's, it's super smart to look at it from 
insurance is a great example of something that that then if the team experiences it, that they can talk about it with clients, right? We talked a little bit, I talked a little bit earlier about dentistry. That's another huge one. You know, nothing is more calming to a client than your answer, Andy, of, yeah, my 16-year-old dog does go under anesthesia. He gets his teeth cleaned mm-hmm. once a year. I was the same. My um, German, sh- my German short hair had awful teeth and she every six months. And so for those clients who were skeptics who were like, my yeah. pet doesn't need to have their, t-, I'm like, sh- she gets it every six months and believe it, I'll show you pictures of how gross her mouth can get in six months. Um, being able to have those conversations honestly and authentically with our clients is hugely powerful. And so I think when you have the conversation with the team about why, why are we offering this as a, as a benefit for you? Um, that's something that maybe kind of gets lost in the shuffle a lot. But the reality is, is that our team is, is our sales force and they are the ones talking about experiences in the exam room with clients. And if we can allow them to experience the same things that our clients are experiencing on a daily basis, it is only going to pay back in um, spades for, for the clinic. And I think it's well worth the time and energy to figure out how to facilitate this. So if you're asking questions about your, your pet benefit, you have to start with the why, why are we, why are we doing this? And then the next question I think is the what, right? And it's to your point where you were saying, it's really easy if you have five team members or even 10 team members who have a couple of pets each, like you can manage that in a year. But I would encourage my manager friends and my practice owner friends to look at this purely from a mathematical standpoint and say, how many team members do I have? How many pets do they have? We know, what are we recommending to our clients? Are we recommending biannual wellness care? Okay, then that's however many pets we have in the practice. That's two visits a year for every single one of them. What mm-hmm. does that look like? Logistically, we should be able to handle that. If we're going to offer it as a benefit, we need a plan for how do we how do we facilitate 60 pets or 120 pets or however many it is for your team? How do we facilitate that happening on a biannual or an annual basis for wellness care? And then work your way out from there to figure out what do we do when it comes to dentistry and space neuters? What do we do yeah. when it comes to the emergency care? How do we how do we handle that? Because we know that we all you know, if, if a team member's pet comes in and it's an emergency, we all drop the things and we run and we deal with it. And unfortunately, the aftermath of that is that, which is great and we should. And I, you know, it feel, makes us all feel good when we can be involved in helping a team member's pet. Mm-hmm. And at the same time as a manager, that piece of it often gets dumped on me because there's been no planning done. And now it's like, well, now there's this big financial bill and you have to talk to this person and figure out how do we deal with this because they're expecting a discount on it. But we stopped everything. We stopped seeing clients. We dealt with the emergency case. Are we really, we're going to give it to them at a discount and we're going to not collect any money for it? Like those are the big conversations that we have to have as a leadership team and figure out what does this look like? Because we do care about our team. And part of caring about our team is having those honest conversations about this is what I'm offering you as an employer. And it's not going to cover all of your pet care needs. You're going to have to come out of pocket at some point for some things. And so Mm. here's the plan that we've helped develop so that you can figure out how are you going to pay for that? And it's having the conversations with our team about insurance. It's having the conversations about care credit and scratch pay and vet billing and things like that, that we use in our practice that allow us to 
have clients get access to the care, we can't stop that conversation short with our team and we do it all the time. Yeah, this this falls back and this is where, where I wanna wrap this up for me anyway and sort of end it is. This falls into one of the things that I think is true about veterinary medicine being a veterinarian. And here it is. Um, it doesn't always work out the way that you want. <laughs> and there's yeah. not a 100% safe way for you to do things and never have to carry a burden that you don't want to carry or get inconvenienced. Right? That's just not the business that we're in. And the quicker that you let that go, the better off you're going to be. However, the plan should always be to think about these things, have a plan and be intentional yeah. so that you are not getting stuck 75% of the time. Yeah, You are getting stuck 12% of the time because right. you have good systems and guidelines and supports mm -hmm. that pick up the vast majority of these things. And yes, there's still going to be a day when your front desk person is going to burst in the front door with their own pet hit by a car and say, I need help. Yep. And you just need to be okay with that yep. because that is just what we signed up for. Yep. And you're never going to fix that one. And so, you, but you shouldn't beat yourself up about it. What you should do is you should have plans to take care of the other 37 times this, you know, this quarter right. that our staff is going to bring their pets in so that if that is the one bad, bad thing that happens and it happens once every other year, I'd say you're doing pretty darn good. Right. And it's, yeah. it's kind of that way with cash strap clients. It's like, look, we're a compassionate group. And you're going to get screwed at some point. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you are going to eat it because you feel morally obligated to help. And you should just be okay with that because the alternative is just being mad about it. <laughs> but you should just be okay with it and work hard to put systems and programs in place so that yes. that happens as rarely as it can possibly happen. Absolutely. It's a lot easier for me as a manager or for me to talk with. Um, my practice owner um, and have a conversation about, okay, we had this, we had this emergency happen with a team member's pet. Here's, here's what I'm going to do because they don't have the thousand dollars in their mm -hmm. pocket, right? It's a lot easier for me to have that conversation if the system is in place and everybody else's bills are paid off regularly and we have a system for getting everybody wellness care and we don't have $10,000 plus in staff accounts receivable because you guys, I've seen that. I've gone into practices where their team alone has accounts receivable north of $10,000. Oh, I've seen $30,000. <laughs> I'm not exactly. kidding. I, I've seen, I've seen and enough it, And it's hard to, we, we are businesses and at the end of the day, we have to run and you bet your ass that Starbucks is not going to let me run up an employee tab of $10,000. Like it's not a thing that happens in other places. And so it's easier for us to have compassion and be able to help and dig into our pocketbooks as practice owners, especially when the one-offs happen, if there are systems in place and guardrails so that we don't go off the rails on a regular basis. Yeah. All right, cool. Thanks a lot for talking through this with me. I, I hope there's good stuff for people here. I know it's always me frustrating when, when we're not like, do this and then do this and then do this. You know, <laughs> there's not a right answer to this. It, it's about it's about your practice, your size, your culture, what you're able to do. But, have the um, conversations. Have that's, the conversations. That's our answer. Get, you have to have the conversations. Get a plan and know it's not going to be a perfect plan, but yep. get a plan and get people on board with it. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks, Stephanie. Have a great week, guys. 
That's it for another episode, guys. I probably should have put a soapbox warning at the front of this episode, but I had a lot of fun talking through this with Andy, and I really hope that it was helpful for you guys. As always, we enjoy spending our time with you, and we are so thankful that you choose to spend your time with us. We would love it if you could leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts from. That's super helpful to us in terms of getting the word out and finding new podcast listeners. And if you have something you would like to talk about, you can always find the mailbag at unchartedvet.com forward slash mailbag. And most of all, while you're on the website, you should definitely check out the upcoming events because we have got a jam-packed calendar as we head through summer and into the fall. There are so many events coming. We've got stuff happening every single month and you can find out more information about what's coming at unchartedvet.com forward slash upcoming dash events. Take care, guys. We'll see you next time.